0: Our message today could well be called the Gospel of Ruth, as this Old Testament book not only tells a captivating story of love and loss, but also gives us a wonderful illustration of the tender dealings of God with sinners and His plan for their redemption, the good news of the Gospel. For in this story we have a needy soul, an outcast really, and how God moved in a miraculous way to meet her need. A Redeemer was provided to restore her back to the people of God and to secure for her a blessed future. If you are not familiar with the story, our speaker today, Mr. Frank Sona, begins by giving an overview of the storyline found in the four chapters of the book of Ruth. Then, he applies it to sinners today who, though we also have no resources to commend ourselves to God, can be redeemed, saved, by the mighty man of wealth, the great Redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Book of Ruth, chapter 1. You know, God loves pictures. This book is one of those great pictures of salvation. Now we'll look at some scattered verses throughout the book. Verse 1, now it came to pass, of chapter 1, in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. So we notice some of these conditions in the land. Verse 2, the name of the man was Elimelech, name of his wife Naomi, the name of his two sons Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem Judah, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And so these two other sons die as well. And then, just to cut to the chase a little bit and give you a little bit of fill in the details, Naomi is going to go back to Bethlehem, Judah. So we're going to go to verse 7. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go! Return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? And so on. So she's telling them, Turn, look, there's really no hope with me. Uh, Go back, and we'll look at verse 14. It says, And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee, for whither thou goest I will go. Where thou lodgest I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God, where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So they two went until they came to Bethlehem. Now we're going to go down to chapter 2, verse 1, and Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. Now she goes, Ruth goes into Boaz's field to glean, to get some food for them. And while this happens, it says here, verse 3, And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz. In other words, the Spirit of God tells us this way, she just happened to go to the field where Boaz was. But we know that there are things being moved about behind the scenes. That's the point of the story. She meets Boaz, and then she fell on her face, and bowed herself to the ground, and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thy husband. When was that? That was in Moab. Boaz wasn't in Moab. But he knew. He knew about her even before she ever knew about him. That's what it's saying here, really. All these things, and so on. Now, let's go down to chapter 3. And verse 1, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Now go down to verse 5, And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me I will do. Now she goes to meet Boaz, and we'll go down to verse 13, Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. There's a nearer kinsman. There's another person. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee as the, as the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. Verse 18, Then said she, this is now Naomi talking to Ruth, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he hath finished the thing this day. Chapter 4, Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. Let's go down to verse 5. Then said Boaz, now he's speaking to this nearer kinsman who had the first rights to redeem. What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. A lot of dead there. Emphasis on the dead. says, And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Verse 9, And Boaz said unto the elders and to all the people, Ye are witnesses this day, that I have bought all that was Elimelech's, and all that was Chilean's and Malon's, of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren. Verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. Now, that's all we're going to read there. We could have read other verses, but for the sake of time, and for the sake of the story and what I want to tell you tonight, that's all we'll read. Ever hear the expression, she married him for his money? And you look at those women and you say, boy, I can't believe it. She married him for his money. Well, when it comes to this account, while it can be true and is true in the world, yet while Ruth had everything to gain from marrying Boaz, it was the other way around. It was Boaz that was seeking after Ruth in the sense. It was Boaz that he first saw her and so on. He looked at her. He asked about her. And while the story moves and we follow the account through, and and there is certainly this attraction between the two of them. Now, you'll have to fill in the blanks and read the story for yourself. But the interesting thing is this. When we come to this account, it is Boaz that's doing all the work. It's Boaz that's doing the work that's necessary for this woman to be brought into his family. And that is true of the gospel. Here was a woman that was excluded. She was really because of who she was, what she was, a Moabitess. She was really disqualified, kept out. In fact, the Bible says for 10 generations, a Moabite could not come into the congregation be absorbed into Israel. For 10 generations, this woman should have been kept out as it were. But she jumps the cue. <laughs> she comes in to blessing, how? Because grace overrules. You know what the truth is? By nature, by what we are, by what you are, who you are, You should forever, never mind 10 generations, you should forever be disqualified and kept out of blessing as far as God's concerned. There is no way, shape, or form that a sinner should be able to be brought into blessing because of what you are. God is infinitely holy. God is in heaven. You can never meet his standards. In fact, this woman While we read of who she is and what she is, now there is one more strike that the sinner has on him that this woman did not have on her. You have sinned against God. Ruth never did that against Boaz. And the things that the sinner does are against God. And yet God moves despite what you have done against him to bring you into his family, to bring you unto himself. He moves just like Boaz moved, but infinitely greater in a way. He moves by grace as he extends himself to the sinner, wanting to bring you in. There are vast differences. I'm not going to say there are weaknesses or deficiencies in this story because it is the word of God. But there are differences in terms of what Boaz did to bring about redemption and in terms of what Christ did to be the Redeemer. So I want to look at just a few things as we go down this story. And this this tremendous account, I've called it simply from the name of shame to the hall of fame. That's really what it is. And here is Ruth the Moabitess with that name, a Moabitess. In fact, as you read this book over and over again, she almost seems to be called Ruth the Moabitess, the Moabitess, the Moabitess. To be a Moabite, that was a scourge. You know, but there's a worse scourge today, and it's universal. It's not limited to a little place outside of where Israel is called Moab, by the Jordan River. No, no, it's global. You know what it's called? Sinner. And when it comes to that name, it carries far greater repercussions. Sinner. Because while Moab was a terrible name, the distinction of being a Moabite ended at death. The problem with being a sinner is if you stay that way, it'll be forever. Never stop being it. Sin is a terrible thing. Consequences of your sins, if you're never forgiven, will last for eternity. I don't think people really grasp that. I don't think individuals really take that in. That's why God has moved in such a way. That's why Christ came from heaven to this world, to die on that cross, to suffer in that way, because the effects, the danger, and the repercussions of your sins are colossal, are eternal. And only he could do what was needed to take care of the sinner's sin. No one else. And Boaz is a faint picture of that, of what the Lord Jesus is and what he has done. I want you to think first of all of the conditions in this book, in this story very quickly. The conditions of their world and their lives. Pagan society, idolatry in terms of the world of Moab. This is the world that Ruth came from. I want to look at Ruth as a picture of the sinner and Boaz as a picture of the savior. And as Ruth comes from this world, a world of paganism, idolatry, immorality, a world that had really had stiff-armed God and removed him from their thinking, denied his authority, supremacy, Even really to a great extent, his existence. These people created their own gods. They live for their own ideals and ideas. And doesn't that really define and picture the world in which we're in today? A world that has stiff armed God. A world that has removed the authority of God. The supremacy of God. A world that says our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? We will do as we please. We will live as we please. And there is no God. And even if there is a God, we will make him what we want him to be. That's the world in which we live. That's good old Canada, USA, North America, the world to a great extent. You know the sad thing? I was thinking of this today. There's no fear of God. There's no respect. There's no reverence. You fear God tonight? Do You understand that there's a God you will have to meet? Not a God of your own creation. The true God. The God who is holy. The God who is all-powerful. The God who is actually taking stars and flung them into its orbit. And you will have to stand before that God if you go on in your sins. You know what the tremendous thing is? That that same God that has done that and is that actually wants to bring you to himself in salvation. The society, the culture, the civilization that Ruth came from, not far off from what we are today. I want you to think of not only the conditions, I want you to think of the decisions of these two women. We're brought before us two women named Ruth and Orpah. Their husbands have died. They're familiar with death. You're listening they to came Anchor Point with, with Frank Sona and no a resource. message entitled, you know, exactly Christ our Kinsman
0: to to. Redeemer. If nothing. you'd like to have a copy have no of this message, no just email us at email die, at anchorpointradio.com and these two women or call or text us at 519 496 can also be heard at the same time on the of. internet In at faithfm.org. Just go to the Faith, Faith FM 93.7 website and click on her. the Listen Live button. Has taken now me. let's return as Mr. Sona concludes his message. You know when a sinner message. gets
1: God's salvation? When they get sick of this old world and sick of their sins. When they get to the point where they realize my sins and this world that I'm part of are all condemned by God and they're taking me down to hell and I want nothing more to do with them. I've lost everything and the worst thing is if I keep going, I'll lose my soul. You ever get to that point? Now if you never got to that point, you know what? That's why you're not saved. I want to tell you, when people get to that point, it's not long before they turn to Christ because their appetite is whetted for what's real and true. They've been deceived by this world. They've been, they've been kept in their sins, had their hands filled with things that could never satisfy. That's exactly where these women were at. But you know what? Let me just tell you something. You can still get to that point and still not get God's salvation. And that's the warning beacon behind this woman, Orpah, because she comes to that point. And all of a sudden, you you think she's going to keep going, and she turns, and she goes back, back to her gods, back to her world, and forever in one moment of decision, she turns away from the living God and salvation. You think it can't happen? I guarantee you, it happens every day, every day. Deceived? (laughs) The devil's a master at it. He, He is the deceiver. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world, this age, has blinded the minds of them that believe not. The greatest trickery happens every day when sinners listen to the devil, deceived by Satan, deceived by their sin. And you know what? The people sometimes and the things you think you can trust the most are the least trustworthy. You know what? The devil's out to fool you. If I'm speaking to someone in this meeting and you don't have salvation, don't settle for anything less. Don't turn back. Don't turn away. Don't even just hang on the fence, because you can't do that either. Because even when people think they're hanging on the fence, they're still lost. They're still on their way to hell. They're still in their sins. And she turned. But Ruth, no, Ruth said this, I'm I, i, I I'm going on. She says, no matter what, I'm going on. And when a soul comes to that point, no matter what, I'm going to get God's salvation. And I'm going to get it now. She didn't say to her mother-in-law, did she? Well, listen, Mom, let, let, let's just... Let's just look, Orpa, that was a bad thing, you know? I don't know if I can handle this. Now, let's just camp out tonight. We'll look at this again in the morning. No, no. She says, I, I'm not, let her go. And you know what? There are people you're going to have to let go if you're not saved. That was her sister-in-law. But she realized this. If I hold on to her, I'll be lost too. And she let go of her. And she turned and she says, I'm going to get this. Her decision. Then you have the introduction of this savior. And I, I can't go any further, but I'll just tell you this. Boaz comes on the scene. Three things are told about him, and I'll end with this. We're told about his wealth. He was a mighty man of wealth. I'll tell you, how rich was he? I I don't know, but I'll tell you what. He came through a time of poverty. And yet he arises, and there is no greater, almost a phoenix metaphor of a man who comes and rises out of the ashes, as it were, of poverty in it. He, he appears, and he is a mighty man of wealth. You think of the Lord Jesus. Oh, he was a mighty man of wealth. But you know what the Bible says about him? Though he was rich. Yet for your sakes, he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich, might be enriched his wealth. We're told about his wisdom because it says here that he says, it hath fully been showed me. He says, I know all about you, what you did when you were in the far country. We're preaching about a God who knows all about you. He knows your dreams, your aspirations. He knows your wants. He knows the hurts. He knows the heartaches. He knows you intimately, but he also knows your sins. And with knowing all about you, he loves you, and he wants to save you if you're not saved in this meeting. But you know what? His wealth nor his wisdom, couldn't save this woman, couldn't redeem her. And that's why we come later on to chapter three and chapter four, because Naomi says this all, oh, the man won't be in rest until he hath finished the work this day. The work, you see, that's what saves Christ, a mighty man of wealth, oh, infinite wisdom, but the only thing that can save a sinner is the work of Christ. The work of Christ. And there's Ruth and she's standing. She can't do anything because it's all up to Boaz. And you can't do a thing to save yourself. You can't do a thing for redemption except for one thing. You can thank God and receive it. You can take him at his word. And that's exactly what happened here. And at the end it says, and Boaz loved her, took her unto himself. She became Mrs. Boaz, linked forever. Linked forever. You say, how linked forever? Because she's on the pages of this book. And you know what? If you were to trust Christ... You two would be linked forever with him, never to be separated, never to be lost had meetings I remember this man in particular fellow was a was a pretty rough ticket you know pretty rough fellow worked on the tankers, quite a seaman he was in bad shape really physically, and he was in worse shape spiritually. he was lost came to the gospel meetings that we had got saved in those meetings. God saved him, trusted Christ. I found out we were in a shop we were in a mall one day having lunch, and he was telling me how he got saved one day just. Out of the blue surprised me. He says, He says, Oh, Frank, he says, I know where I'm going. I said, Really? I says, When did you find this out? He said, during the meetings. I says, and what did you find out? He says, I filed out this. He said, That was a great work. He said, That was a great work. He said, I knew about it. He said, But what I found out was this. That great work that he did, he did that for me. Was it oh maybe I don't know, I'm trying to think of the time frame, maybe a year or two later. I got a call from one of the one of the Christians there. He says, he finally succumbed. He says, I talked to him before he died. He says, I asked him this. He says, any regrets? He said, this, I got one regret. He says, the only regret I got right now is that I didn't get this salvation sooner. But I got it now. He had come in contact with the one who had died for him. He trusted Christ. Found out he was nothing but a lost sinner. Undeserving. Hell deserving. And he found out that that was such a great work. And he did it for me. Can I just tell you this? Being saved, the only regret is <laughs> that we didn't get it sooner. And it doesn't matter who we are and when we got it. We always long to have been saved sooner. But if you're not saved tonight in this meeting and you die in your sins, you will have the greatest regret that you will take with you to eternity. And you will never outlive. And you will never outlast the one great regret that I never got it at all. What a difference. Saved or lost. Trust the Lord Jesus. He did a great work. The Redeemer died so that you could be saved, your sins could be forgiven, and you could be taken to heaven.
0: What a wonderful picture of redemption for us today. Yes, Christ is our Kinsman Redeemer the only one who is ready, willing, and able to buy us back from our bondage to sin. You see, we also have nothing to offer God. We are actually under His judgment because of our willful and disobedient lives. As Mr. Sona has said, we are far worse than Moabites. We are sinners, and will remain so for all eternity unless we come in contact with the Redeemer. We trust that you will look to Christ today. He has become our kinsman, fully man and He wants to be your Redeemer. Trust in His work alone, the work of Calvary, to make you fit for God's heavenly home. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website,